airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin Addison's on American Family Radio. And I'm your host, Will Addison, holding it down uh, today. Uh, Miki, again, she's at home. We just had our baby boy. Just want to send you guys greetings from the Addison family. Uh, everybody's doing well. But while she's out, I'll be holding it down for, for us. Uh, just have a few things I want to uh, talk about, uh, housekeeping things. First of all, make sure you download the podcast at AFR.net. AFR.net. You can just search for Erin Addison's under the podcast tab. Uh, we also have an email address if you would like to email us. Addison's at AFR.net. Addison's at AFR.net. And also, I want to draw your attention to uh, In His Image, In His Image, a documentary that uh, is, is put out by AFS. And just want to let you know that that comes out uh, on October 20th. But you can uh, have a sneak peek uh, into the documentary. Uh, just register to watch the special sneak peek uh, preview for free. And you also can be updated on the premiere, which is October uh, 20th. And so in this uh, special sneak preview, uh, you, you will see life-changing testimonies from former LGBT individuals featured in the documentary. Behind the scenes, look at the spiritual warfare behind the making of such a controversial film. And a special, me- special message uh, from AFA President Tim Wildman. Uh, to register for this exciting pre-show event, visit inhisimage.movie. Inhisimage.movie. Also, we have our AFA at Home with Walker Wildman happening tomorrow, Thursday, October 8th, 7 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you uh, join us for that. Uh, the, the guests will include Tim Barton, the Benham Brothers, Abraham Hamilton III, Richard Land, Star Parker, and Sandy Rios. Have some great conversation about significant cultural issues in our nation. Uh, you know, with this election only weeks away. We need to be informed on what's at stake for our nation and our family. So to pre-register to watch this special event online for free, October 8th at 7 p.m. Central Time, uh, just go to AFAaction.net. I know I'm giving out a lot of websites, but then you can follow this. AFAaction.net. And that's for the AFA at home with Walker Wildman. It will be like a virtual town hall meeting. It's going to be a great source of information. And also we have our share that's coming up next week, October 13th to October 15th. And this year's theme is our living hope. So please be praying uh, with us about the share That's a, a big event uh, for us here. Uh, we, we will be sharing testimonies of what God has been doing. You will have a, a chance to, to give and to donate to the ministry here. And the scripture reference for this year's share, this uh, time share is First Peter chapter one, verse three through nine. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten, begotten us uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, uh, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your fate, the salvation of your souls. That's First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9, and that's the theme uh, scripture reference for our share that's coming up next week, October 13th uh, to the 15th. Once again, you're listening to Erin Addison's, and I'm Will Addison. And I want to share something uh, in this first segment. Uh, coming up, we have a guest, uh, my friend Les Riley. We're going to be talking about uh, Amy Coney Barrett and pro-life issues. But first, I want to uh, share something with you, um, just kind of looking out on the landscape of the church and what's going on. This morning, I was compelled to write a, a Facebook post. I'm pretty active on Facebook. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated, you know, and I give my opinion, but I try to stick uh, close to the scripture. You know, I really want to back up what I say with the word of God, you know, and if not, I, I don't want to say it. But I posted this. And it had to it has to do with uh, the body of Christ and partiality issues. I like to use the, the word partiality instead of racism or uh, because I feel like it's, it's a broader scale. It covers more than just skin color. But what I wrote was I said one of the things that's so hurtful about what's happening concerning the church and partiality issues is that you uh, you had melanated and less melanated people who fellowship with each other, worship together, kids played with each other and help one another uh, when, when in need. And all of a sudden, because of wokeness, because wokeness abounds, some of those relationships have been damaged. Folks have been have left churches, become more woke or less empathetic, more cynical, less loving, less understanding less willing to bear with one another because the church has been led by its nostrils, by critical race theory, notions of white privilege, and first world level oppression on one side. On the other side, folks have, have, submitted, have submitted to white guilt, being paralyzed not to do or say anything because of intersectionality, submitted uh, to being told that they have no voice to speak, or can't speak because they couldn't possibly understand the plight of a black or brown person, even though in many instances the less melanated person grew up in a similar or the same conditions as the melanated person. All of this is taking place not only in the world, but in the church that has been purchased by the precious blood of my Lord, and it makes me furious. Let's read our Bibles, people, and see what the word says about how to handle partiality, about how to bear with one another, 
love, loving one another from the heart, thinking and hoping the best of our brothers and sisters. And I said, come on, church. We are operating at a substandard level with the level being the straight edge of scripture. And my zeal for the body of Christ is strong and ever increasing. The enemy has to be cast out of the church. The enemy has to be cast out of the church. There have been many relationships that have been broken because of the things that are going on in the world that has, has seeped into the church. And the, the, the part about it, the thing about it is the Bible is clear on how we should interact with one another. If there's a grievance, if there's something that someone has done that has hurt our feelings, there's, there's parameters that the word of God lays out of how we are to interact with brothers and sisters in Christ. But it seems like we, in a, in a lot of these instances, we have resorted to breaking fellowship, you know, to, to lashing out, to receiving like hate and, and giving off hate, not being empathetic, not willing to listen or bury one another. And I want to read something from the scriptures because the apostle Paul, uh, in speaking uh, to the church of Colossae uh, in Colossians chapter three, really hits home with a lot of these issues that we're dealing with now within the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church. You know, the world, like my brother Abraham says, the world is going to world. And the things that they do, you know, they do because they don't know the Lord. But for, the, for this stuff to happen within the body of Christ, within the church, it's egregious. It's very egregious. And I want to read a portion of scripture, uh, Colossians chapter 3. Now listen uh, to what's being said here. And I'll, I also want to point you to a video, to a, a, a sermon that was done by Abraham Hamilton III. And I'll put uh, a link to this sermon uh, in the show notes. But it was at the Marriage Family Life Conference in 2019. And he uh, spoke on Colossians chapter three and really broke down, you know, what Paul was saying in the scriptures here and how it, it, it's so relevant for, for to the church even today. But I want to read a portion of Colossians chapter three. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. Uh, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Verse five. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside. Now listen to this. What, what have we put aside? Anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Okay. Verse nine, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew 
circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and freeman. But Christ is all and in all. Again, I want to point you to a sermon that Brother Abraham Hamilton III uh, spoke at um, the Marriage Family Life Conference. And I'll put it in the notes. Uh, 2019, where he breaks down the importance of these different categories and why Paul was bringing this stuff up. It's very, very important. So I'll keep on reading. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Doing what? Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love. (laughs) Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be Thankful that the word of God richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing with thanksgiving and thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is it, y'all. This is how we should be dealing with each other. If we have a grievance, a complaint, we feel like, you know, there's a certain group of people that have done us wrong. Well, we go to them. And we display compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. We don't lash out. We don't just break fellowship. This is the body of Christ. We don't say, no, no, I I can't stand to be around this type of person anymore. Where in the past we were friends. And now because of the, the, the racial issues within the country, we can't be friends anymore. We can't fellowship. I have to leave this church. Man, the, the, the word of God shows us that we should love one another. We should love one another, bear with each other, forgive each other. And we have abandoned a lot of this stuff so that we can have wokeness, so that we can thrive in critical race theory, and that that we can talk about white privilege and all this stuff. We have abandoned what the Word of God has said. Colossians 3. Go and read it for yourself. But also, like I said, I will put a link to the message that Abraham Hamilton III uh, preached at um, the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference in 2019. Powerful message, and he breaks down all of these things. Well, this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, and I'm Will Addison. Uh, we might as well call it for now, airing the Addison, since I'm riding solo. Uh, but again, you know, my wife, Miki, she's biding her time, getting ready to, to come back. And she has a lot to say. We have a lot that uh, we discuss at home. And that's what this show is kind of based on. You know, it's conversations that we have and we just bring it to the radio. And I think a lot of people can feel that. 
that it's a, it's a genuine, you know, just a family uh, show where we just talk about these issues. But we try to come from come from a biblical perspective as we uh, talk about the uh, issues of the day. But I have a special guest on a friend of mine who is really budding into a mentor for me, especially uh, in the realm of pro-life issues and, you know, fighting against abortion. Uh, he's the founder of Personhood Mississippi and president of the Personhood Alliance, an affiliation of state and national, international, no compromise, grassroots, pro-life activists. And my friend, Les Riley. Hi, Les. Hey, well, uh, and congratulations on the new edition and uh, tell your bride that uh, I hope she's doing well. I sure will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I really look up to you, man, and just the fight that you have consistently fought, you know, uh, for life. And uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, President Trump's nominee for Supreme Court, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. But also I want to throw something at you and it it has to do with the pro-life issue. But I came across this story where it says and the title is uh, we are pro-life evangelicals for Biden. We are pro-life evangelicals for Biden. And I want to read a, a little bit of this and get your take on, on, on what they're saying. So as prominent evangelical leaders have just released a statement urging pro-life evangelicals to vote for Joe Biden. The signers include John Hoff, Huffman, a board chair emeritus of Christianity Today, Richard Foster, the best-selling author of Celebration of Discipline, which I love that book. I'm actually reading it right now. <laughs> Jerusa uh, Dufert, uh, Billy Graham's granddaughter, uh, Brenda Sal- Salter McNeil, an author, speaker, longtime IVCF leader, John Perkins. And I, I know I know John Perkins, uh, founder of the Christian Community Development Association, uh, and two the two authors of the of this piece, and a number of former presidents and evangelical uh, uni- of e- evangelical universities. So their statement acknowledges that. As pro-life evangelicals, this is what they say. We disagree with Vice President Biden and the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion. But we believe the statement continues that a biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life compels us to consent to, uh, to a consistent ethic of life that affirms the sanctity of life of human life from beginning to end. And the statement points out that. Uh, many problems uh, that better politics could correct violate the sanctity of human life. Poverty, lack of health care, racism, climate change, all kill persons created in the image of God, they say. Uh, and, and these are all pro-life issues. Les, when you hear something like this, what is, what is the first thing that comes to your mind uh, as, you, as you hear uh-huh. evangelicals that are voting for Biden because of the pro-life issue? To be honest with you, the first thing that comes to mind is imprecatory songs. Hmm. Uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, and, and you, you and I have known each other for a number of years, mm-hmm. Will, and you know that uh, that I've been involved with, with third-party politics, and, and, I, and yeah. I think, you know, I, I think there can be a biblical case made for not voting for Trump or for not supporting the Republican Party just straight down the line. Mm-hmm. What I don't believe is that a biblical case can be made for voting instead for a party and a candidate who believes that um, 
dismembering tiny human beings mm-hmm. is somehow a right. Right. And, 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 you know, so, so there's kind of two questions there. One is, can the Christian set aside the abortion issue and the pro-life evangelical set aside the abortion issue to vote for somebody who is, is right on what they consider right on everything else? Right. And right. I, I would say, I would say absolutely not. And, and like we, we go back to all the time, the reason that I'm involved with personhood instead of, you know, other uh, pro-life efforts is it really gets down to the core issue. And, mm-hmm. it, and if you took everything they said and said, replace with abortion with dismembering three-year-olds, mm. it's morally repugnant. You know, right. we, we, you know, we like some of the things Hitler did. We just don't like that he, you know, dismembered Jews and, and sold their, <laughs> you know, sold their body parts. Mm. You know, it's morally repugnant. So, you know, you, you can't say, well, okay, this guy supports serial killers. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he's a great guy. Right. So, first of all, that's a, you know, that that's a, I think, a position that a Christian cannot accept. Yeah. But then secondly, um, let, let's address their issue that all these other issues are, quote-unquote, sanctity of life issues. Mm-hmm. And I, I was interested, and I was in a text group, uh, I'm in a text group with, uh, with some peeps, some uh, brothers, and uh, something came up the other day about a, a long quote from David Platt's new book, which kind of makes some of the same assertions. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, you know, if you if you do set the abortion issue aside, if, if somebody was right on abortion and believed all those other things that they just laid out, I, I don't think you can make a biblical case that the welfare state, for instance, has has helped with poverty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can make the case that the platform that these guys are pushing mm-hmm. as saying, "Well, we care about we care about life," so you know you've got to take a whole view of life. I would say, if you take a holistic view of the sanctity of life, you still can't make a biblical case for Biden if he was right on abortion or neutral on abortion. Mm. So you know, I find I find that whole line of argumentation, and just to to take it a step further, because you know I I know part of what they're arguing is that you know well if you really care about the unborn, then you need to care about poverty and, and all these kind of things, and you know I, I would I would want to address that as well and say, but yes, but the the people who are most adamant about fighting abortion are actually the ones taking the lead on adoption ministry and foster care and taking in moms and mm. offering alternatives. Yeah. They're just doing it biblically with their own money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think, I, I think that that, that statement is morally repugnant. I'm not questioning the, the Christianity of a lot of those, those signers, mm-hmm. but I, I think they're misguided and blind and, and arguably drifting into apostasy. Yeah, and it's, it's weird because they say that they are against, you know, um, you know, ab- abortion, but they find it acceptable to be able to vote for someone who is for <laughs> ab- ab- abortion. And all these things that they list here, poverty, lack of health care, they say all these things kill as well, racism, climate change. Well, if a person is not born, they're not going to exper- right. experience any of that anyway. Like, 
that's that's the the basis like life the sanctity of life and so i i think man seeing this it it, it was really disturbing and i was like well, man you know well, this is really I, disturbing i just actually pulled over so i could uh, pull out my bible and look up a passage <laughs> because of, because you bring this up mm-hmm. uh, you know ezekiel 22 mm-hmm. uh, is a is to some degree a picture of our nation right now because it, it's God declaring judgment on Israel because of the shedding of innocent blood and, and a whole lot of other sins that are really common in our time. And what's really interesting is um, uh, they have uh, um, they have ba- basically la- he lays out here that the princes, the, the political leaders, are corrupt, and what they're doing. The political, the princes of Israel, everyone according to his power, had been bent on the shedding of innocent blood, mm. and and it goes on and on, and, yeah. and basically saying that the princes, and and what what's unique about this is it it starts with the princes, and then it goes with the prophets, the mm. priests, and the people. Wow! So basically, what what God was charging was your princes. Your, your political leaders are corrupt, and they are allowing and promoting the shedding of innocent blood. Wow. Your prophets, or we would say your preachers, like in this case, mm-hmm. are basically giving aid and comfort by giving a false prophecy. Mm-hmm. Your priests or your churches are corrupt, mm-hmm. and the people love it because mm-hmm. they're allowed to run or muck with no... But the, the last thing is, and, and maybe this will circle us on around what we want to talk about further, mm-hmm. at the end of the chapter it says, but I look for a man to stand in the gap, mm. and I could find none. So mm. God brings up these charges and said, okay, if I could just find a man to stand in the gap. So I think at this at this point, when we see all this corruption, that it is crucial that we stand up by the power of Christ and say, you know, here I, here I stand, Lord. Yeah. Here I am. I, I, I will stand in the gap for the innocent because nobody else will. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's look at, you know, President uh, Trump's nominee, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, um, for Supreme Court uh, Justice. When you uh, heard of that nomination, what was your feelings? What do you think this would do for, I guess, the the pro-life fight, uh, if anything? And I want to, after I get that from you, I want to read some of uh, her quotes, you know, just about how she would uh, rule, you know, on, on different cases and stuff like that. But what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, my, my initial thoughts were a that it was a it was a very it was a very good nomination. Um, you know, I, I think that probably the best we could hope for, and one of the better pro life justices based on her record mm-hmm. um, o- over over the long haul. Um, but then my second thought was, you know, kind of here we go again. Yeah, you know, not <laughs> not 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 to be cynical, to right. be cautiously optimistic. But you know the old saying about "fool me once, shame on you." <laughs> um, and and my the, but the ultimate answer, and, and I don't know if you got the article that we published on the uh, personhood site about this, is that we're cautiously optimistic. We think Judge Barrett's a great nomination. We think the Senate should take her up mm-hmm. and, and you know take up the nomination and pass it to do their constitutional duty. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know then the question becomes: Okay, what if Roe is overturned? because mm-hmm. of her, mm-hmm. or because of this nomination, and what if not? So if Roe is overturned, well, all it does is turn abortion back over to the state. Right. And so we'll still have to, in a lot of states, there are laws that are already 
worse than roads. Uh, in some states like Mississippi, you've got, you know, muddy laws, you've got muddy court decisions. So if this if this happens, uh, I mean, if Rose overturned, rather, we need to get involved at the local level mm-hmm. to, uh, to take care, to protect babies, to go to the abortion clinic, to do acts of charity, to get involved with pregnancy centers, and to fight to protect life at the state and local level legally. Okay. Well, what if Rose not overturned? Mm-hmm. Well, we need to get invo- we need to get involved at the local level. We need to go to the abortion clinic. We need to uh, speak out. We need to protect life. We need to fight to see that lo- state and local laws protect the unborn. And then we need to push back against the Supreme Court. So ultimately, while I think this is a good thing, a lot of times these Supreme Court nominations are huge distractions. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I agree. And, you know, I I was just looking at some of her her quotes and just, you know, even on abortion. One thing she said in 2013, she said, I think it is very unlikely at this point that the court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, The fundamental element that the woman has a right to choose abortion will probably stand. Um, She also said as far as, you know, her faith, uh, she's a Catholic. uh, And she mentioned, if you're asking whether I take my faith seriously, she said, I, uh, and I'm a faithful Catholic. She said, I am. Although I would stress that my personal church affiliation or my religious belief would not bear in, in the discharge of my duties as a judge. Um, and so she made that statement. She said, never, uh, it's never appropriate for a judge to impose uh, that judge's personal convictions, whether they derive from faith or anywhere else on the law, in which I agree with her. I mean, I think that's part of... Uh, of, of the job. But I think when people look at this, uh, this uh, nominee, the first thing that they think is, you know, well, Roe versus Wade will be overturned. That's not necessarily true. It could happen. And we hope it, w- it would happen, you know, but I think we can see from justices in the past that especially ones who are nominated by Republicans, it seemed like they all, not all of them, but they have a tendency to begin to lean a little left <laughs> once they right. once they've been in there. You, you never see that on the other side, but <laughs> they, right. they start right. leaning right. But they usually lean right. a little left. But I'm hoping that um, with her record, she seemed like she's very solid and that she um, would not do that. And that's what I'm I'm hoping for. Yeah, and and I, and I think you know I think the evidence is there that she's an, an originalist or you know in a in a positive, you know, basically take the, take the text of the Constitution for what it says. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the type of originalist personhood would prefer is, you know, there's one originalist position that says the Constitution doesn't specifically talk about abortion, so Roe was wrongly decided this needs to be turned back over to the state. Mm-hmm. But there's another type of originalist that said, well, actually, you know, the, the Fifth Amendment says no person shall be deprived of right to life without due process of law. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, a, a very good argument can be made that, yes, the Constitution does make a case against defending abortion, and Roe was wrongly decided because, you know, Justice Blackman said, we're not going to deal with the issue of whether or not the unborn child is a person. Yeah. Because if it was a person, or he said defeated, because if it was a person, they already have rights under the 14th Amendment, and the case for abortion is uh, essentially destroyed. Yeah. So we, we would prefer that sort of positive 
um, I, I hear a break coming up. Yeah, we, let's 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 go to the break and um, bring you back, and uh, we're going to talk more about this. I have a, another question I want to ask you. This is Erina Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back. You're listening to Erin Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison. I've been talking to my friend, Les Raleigh, founder of uh, Personhood uh, Mississippi and president of the Personhood Alliance. And uh, we've been talking about uh, President Trump's nominee, Amy Coney uh, Barrett, and just some issues as far as pro-life issues and, and what this could mean uh, for the, the fight for life. And uh, Les, you were, you were saying uh, some, some things before the break. Uh, if you want to continue on with that. Uh, yeah. Um, well, we were just uh, just discussing it. Let me, let me uh, jump jump over and, and share something with you I heard over the weekend because okay. you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the, uh, her, her religious beliefs and, yeah. you know, the push on that. And uh, uh, I heard a guy at a conference over the weekend say, all we want is for Amy Coney Barrett be no more zealous about pushing her beliefs than Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, boy, that's a, that's a really good... But wow. Yeah, we were just discussing the idea <laughs> of, of the positivist view and yeah. an original view of the Constitution where, you know, we, we would argue that the Constitution and the Declaration already protects life. Already, They do deal with abortion, mm-hmm. and uh, they deal with it in a way that, you know, you, you can't... I mean, what what's the most basic function of government in, in this exercising the sword of justice and protecting the rights of the innocent and weak against the strong and powerful? You know, mm-hmm. giving equal justice. And who's more voiceless in our society? You know, going going back to the democratic, uh, I mean, the uh, the uh, pro life evangelicals for Biden. You right. know, if, if you're going to talk about justice and you can't you can't provide justice to the most helpless and voiceless in our society, right? Then you really don't have any moral high ground to stand on at all. Right. I mean, right. Ju- just imagine if you you remember the Rwandan genocide. Yes. Just rem- imagine if somebody told you, um, you know, you can't you can't really have an opinion against about the Rwandan genocide. You can't be against what the Hutus are doing if you're not over there providing foreign aid and public housing mm. and you know everything else. For yeah. the yeah. If you're if you're not personally providing, or providing through through tax dollars for the Tutsis, you can't say that it's wrong for the Hutus <laughs> to hack them up. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You yeah. Know, that's uh, that's you you don't have the moral high ground there. Yeah, that's um, that's a great point. But, but yeah. So so I, I think that you know you're right on about you know what you're saying about her religious beliefs and. And and something that you mentioned, Will, about, you know, we've kind of been here before and, and the way justices tend to move. Mm-hmm. You know, the old saying about, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. And, you know, th- this is kind of like the third time, because if, <laughs> if you'll do a little digging, you'll know that in 1973, 
that it was a majority of justices on the Supreme Court reported by, uh, uh, I'm sorry, appointed by Republican presidents when the Roe decision was made. Mm. And then throughout the 70s, that kind of spurred the founding of the Christian right and the moral majority. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the 70s, that was built up, you know, and a lot of good organizations were founded, a lot of good groups were founded. Mm-hmm. And everybody worked to get Reagan and Bush elected so that we could get a Supreme Court. Mm. Well, in 1992, we had a perfect storm. Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Casey was a Democratic governor of Pennsylvania. They had some restrictions on abortion, some pretty severe restrictions. They didn't outlaw abortion, and they didn't deal with the core issue of personhood. Mm -hmm. But the Supreme Court had eight Republican nominees. Wow. Eight. (laughs) And the one one Democrat was was pro-life. Wow. (laughs) And they voted to affirm Roe. Man. I said states can can put restrictions on Roe, but uh, on abortion, but nothing that would remove a woman's fundamental right. Wow! And I'm like, you know, I don't want to play that game again. I right. want to tell the right. Supreme Court that abortion is not in your jurisdiction, and you may not know that the unborn child is a human being, but we do. Mm-hmm. We we know what that it's a person, and we already have laws dealing with that. And you know, your opinion is your opinion, but. It's beyond the scope and the, the authority of the federal court to say that the state of Mississippi or the state of Tennessee or the state of Texas or, you know, in a revival comes the state of Massachusetts can't mm-hmm. protect mm-hmm. The, the most innocent people in their state under law. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and you're speaking about something. Uh, and I and I know this, you know, I know you're the founder of, of Personhood Mississippi, you're the president of the uh, Personhood Alliance. What about these organizations are different? from uh, other pro-life organizations or everything that's pretty much the same? Well, no, I, I think, you know, for one thing, you know, we, we're we no compromise, no exceptions organization. So, so basically okay. we, we wouldn't support uh, a bill with a, with an, a rape and incest. Exception. Okay. Okay. Uh, we wouldn't support. And then, you know, we, we're not, we're not necessarily revolutionary in the sense that, you know, um, you know, we're going to go like burn everything down or something right. like that. <laughs> but, but, but neither are we pragmatists in the sense that um, that we want to kind of compromise with babies' lives. You know, mm. the, the pro movement has done a tremendous amount of good work at the local level. It's done a tremendous amount of work protecting babies. Mm-hmm. But if if the idea was to get rid of abortion and restore equal protection under the law, we would have to say that it's been a failure. And the strategy we've used has been a failure. And so we've raised. And that's billions and, of dollars. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, so that's my question because it seems like you know, um, like I'm wondering how effective. Like, like I agree, there's been a lot of great work that has been done. But if the goal is for, you know, this whole thing to be ended, you know, why isn't there much more talk about abolishing, you know, abortion? It seemed like we're, we're kind of like putting up with things and like, oh, we got to take what we can get. Like, why is the conversation, if we really want it to go away, the effort should be kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to question people's motives. I, you know, I think people mean well. And, and I think if you ask most of the pro-life leaders from these, you know, these pro-life Inc., I call it, these, you know, large organizations, yeah. they would agree that, that they want it to end eventually. But they're caught on this treadmill where they think, regulate it, regulate it, regulate it, and hopefully one day we'll get this ideal Supreme Court so 
so that our regulations will be held up and we can start getting rid of it at the state level. Mm. And and I, I just go back to the definition of insanity. You know, mm-hmm. Howard Phillips said, once you sacrifice the principle, you always lose the argument on the detail. Mm. And so when we're saying, you know, really you think about it, the governor of Virginia got all kind of heat from pro-lifers, and rightfully so last year, by saying that, you know, for the first five minutes after a child is born, you know, he, he thinks it's between the, the mother and the doctor whether or not that child can die. Right. But but if you go back and you say, okay, well, well we're going to say you can't do abortions after 20 weeks, it, that's a distinction without a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're still, you still got this arbitrary line in the sand of where we're going to protect life at this point. I mean, if you say 20 weeks, you say mm-hmm. six weeks. Yeah. What happened at five weeks? six days and 59 minutes that all of a sudden made that a human yeah, that's being. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You are, abortion is wrong because it violates God's law and because that unborn child is, from the moment of conception, a unique human being that has never existed before and will exist in that form for all of eternity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have... And, a- and everything that's been added to them since that point is mm-hmm. food and time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was going to mention, you know, we have a a vice presidential debate uh, tonight, and I'm hoping that this issue comes up because I know uh, Kamala Harris is for like killing babies even after they're born. You know, Um, I don't know if she will state that. I don't know how radical they will present themselves tonight, but I think this is a great opportunity for Vice President Pence, you know, to really shine the light on what you know, they believe. Uh, and I, and I, yeah. I'm hoping that that happens. But bigger than that, uh, Les, and we've talked about this before, as Christians, as people who are in the body of Christ, what is it that we should be doing, you know, to, to fight uh, this good fight? What, what should we, yeah. we do? Yeah. Well, I, I would say that, you know, part of it begins with, with repentance in our, in our own mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it begins to think about, the unborn child, the same way we think of other human beings. Mm-hmm. But but then, you know, I think start at the local level, you know, um, you know, the Christians need to be the one out on the street speaking out. Mm-hmm. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to educate ourselves and others in our churches, in our communities, in our families, and then begin to do things like, you know, uh, personhood as the, you know, the Safe Cities Initiative, where Basically, we're equipping people to fight this at the very most local level, in their own backyard. And, you know, if you go to personhood.org, you'll find the Safe Cities Initiative there, and, and, you know, you can look into it, and how can I get involved at the local level? But but ultimately, brother, this is a battle for the Church and for our God, because, you know, for for 40, 50 years, we've tried this compromised, incremental approach, Mm -hmm. and we've basically tried to do it in the arm of the flesh. Mm. and put some Bible words on it. Mm-hmm. I'm content to stand on principle, stand on God's Word, to act in faith, and trust Him to act. Yeah. Because, you know, com- compared to Planned Parenthood, the Democratic Party, the big media, you know, personhood is a pipsqueak. <laughs> you know, you the, the, the biggest pro-life group out there is a pipsqueak. Mm. But when we look at our God, they're nothing to Him. That's right. He, You know, He can end it tomorrow, but he, I think he's expecting us to act in faith and quit being Stalin. Yeah. Remember Joe Stalin's line, uh, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is statistics. 
Mm. You know, if, if we start fighting at the local level and we start saying, I can't do anything about the big thing, but I'm not going to compromise God's word anymore. I'm not going to dehumanize some unborn people anymore. And I'm going to do what I can to protect one or two, help one or two moms in my community speak out for one or two and just watch what God does. Yeah. Yeah. And how important also uh, in fighting this is uh, having a heart open for adoption and even being a foster parent. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, I used to, when we were on the person that campaign here in Mississippi years ago, when you and I met, Mm -hmm. there was a statistic floating around and it was there. There are 3000 abortions a year, roughly at that time. It's a little under, but in that range Mm -hmm. in Mississippi, there are 3,000 children in foster care, and there's 3,000 churches. <laughs> wow. You know, if, if, if the church would step up and say, we are going to open our, our hearts, our homes, and our lives, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we need to be leading the way on yeah. adoption. We need to be leading the way on foster care reform. And, you know, ideally, you not unite families and restore families. Yeah. And in the cases you can't, you know, you bring these children into a godly home and you raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you give them protection. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it, again, that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that the Lord will bless. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's so powerful because that's exactly what was done for us, you know, through Jesus Christ. We've right. all been adopted. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. when we look at it that way, seeing how we've been uh, taken out or translated out of the domain of darkness into, you know, the marvelous light and what he's, he's done for us, our hearts should be open at least to, you know, seeing what we can do, you know, uh, as far as maybe adopting or having uh, foster kids or whatever, you know, but that or, it shouldn't or, just be a closed up. supporting families in the church yeah. that, that do it. Yeah. You know, not everybody yeah. is suited for that. That's right. Or called to that, but. You know, and what's really interesting about it, you mentioned what was done for us. You know, it, it hit me one day, you know, as you know, I've got a, a, a number of children like you do. Yeah. And some are adopted and some are, uh, some are biological. But yeah. uh, what, what's really interesting is, you know, to some degree, we almost think of adoption as plan B. Like, you know, I want to I have, quote, unquote, my own children. Mm-hmm. But adoption was God's plan A. Yeah, that's true. God had one, God had one natural son. <laughs> yeah. All the rest of us are adopted. Wow. Yeah, you're and right. What a, what a picture of the gospel. Mm. Mm. No, that that's good. That's good. Les, if you know, people want to follow you and uh, find out more information about your organization, where should they go? Yeah, well, uh, personhood.org is the easiest place to find us. Uh, that's uh, personhood, you know, all spelled out, D-E-R-S-O-N-H-O-O-D.org. Um, we've got a Facebook group as well. We've got a uh, Twitter. We've got Parler, all that stuff. Uh, so the website, the Facebook page, and then you know I'm Les Riley on Facebook, but it's a lot more just personal pictures of my farm and family, and I'll share personal <laughs> stuff. So personhood.org is the easiest place to go for the, or the personhood uh, Facebook page. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for being on with me, Les. I'm definitely going to have you back on and hopefully we can meet soon face to face yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. look forward to it brother awesome god bless you well, this has been Erin addison's here on american family radio 
I uh, just want to encourage everyone listening, man, that you would seek the Lord, pray, ask God how you can be a part of what's going on, you know, in the, in the pro-life fight with what he has for you. Maybe it may be adoption. It may be having foster kids or it may be helping somebody who desire to adopt financially, you know, but we have to do more than what we're doing now. Again, this is Aaron Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you for listening. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. God bless.